The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Hello, welcome to the Guardian Podcast. We've just stepped off stage after the live show. I'm now backstage in the dressing room. Uh, we've had a wonderful show. Rob Deering closed the show for us. We also had Josie Long on, Andrew Dixon from The Guardian, and Rod Gilbert. The show opened with Steve Hall. Uh, hello, uh, it's lovely to see you all. My name is Stephen Hall. I'm doing a show called Vice Captain Loser. That is the title of my show. It's a title that was given to me uh, when I was 14 years old by my father. Uh, he's genuinely said to me, uh, son, you're not even the biggest loser in the world. You're just the vice captain loser. Yeah, it's a fairly, a fairly amazing thing for a dad to say to his son. He's very much the hero of the show, I should emphasise. It's, it's the tale of me learning to live with shame and regret and guilt and being happy with it. I'm an odd mixture. I'm clearly racially Jewish, um, but I was also raised Catholic. Uh, so I'm a Catholic in a Jew's body, uh, which is basically guilt squared. Uh, and so I wrote a list of the various things that have caused me shame uh, in my life. Uh, various things have caused me shame. I killed a pigeon. Uh, I feel very guilty about that. Uh, they're fairly universally hated uh, in, in the bird world. They're unhygienic, they're disgusting, they spread disease, they're vermin. Pigeons are rats with wings in the same way that babies are rats with rights. <laughs> That's my hat in the ring there. Um, you get some odd reasons given for people hating pigeons. A gentleman at one of my previews uh, of this show uh, said that his number one reason for hating pigeons is that they don't have arms. <laughs> it's interesting. By that logic, that bloke also hates the Venus de Milo, all other birds and thieves in the Middle East. It made very little sense to me. <laughs> Another gentleman said uh, that his number one reason for hating pigeons was, and I quote, they're just piss takers. <laughs> most charming piece of mental illness I've encountered in some time. Um, my particular reason for hating pigeons, these two, two pigeons have been having sex outside my bedroom window very noisily. I don't know if you've ever seen pigeons really wail away on each other. It's this um, kind of quite hypnotic flurry of feathers and biology. Fairly disgusting, quite hypnotic if you watch it for four or five hours, as I tend to do. <laughs> but I was really at the end of my tether with it, so I threw a flower pot at them, intending to make them fly away, but I'm a very bad throw. Um, I sort of messed up the throw, hit one of them on the head with the flower pot, its head exploded mid-sexual congress, literally on the vinegar strokes. <laughs> Behold, I am become death, the destroyer of pigeons. Uh, now, I'm fascinated by karma at the, at the moment, the idea that what goes around comes around. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe at least I've solved my pigeon problem. They'll know not to roost outside my bedroom window anymore. Uh, apparently, that's not accurate at all. Apparently, pigeons are so unhygienic, they are so disgusting, that they will often build their nests on or out of the dead bodies of other pigeons. It's fairly horrific, isn't it? So there was I thinking I'd solved my pigeon problem. All I'd actually done was built them an extension. <laughs> it's far from ideal. But here's where the karma thing kicks in, because two days after I killed a pigeon because it was having sex too noisily, my flatmate brought his new girlfriend home for the first time. And the sound of their lovemaking is like the sound of a million pigeons having the biggest pigeon gangbang of all time and then the world exploding. Uh, this is no exaggeration. I will now replicate for you the noise uh, that I hear through our paper-thin ex-council flat walls as my flatmate's girlfriend approaches Epiphany. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. She honestly sounds like a clown nearly falling off a cliff. It's truly horrific. Meanwhile, when my flatmate approaches Ejaculans, he becomes 
quite the heavy breather. So again, I can just hear him going, oh, oh, oh. He sounds like a predator with asthma. <laughs> it's this truly nightmarish cacophony, this weird clown predator clusterfuck. Just the most disturbing noise I have ever heard in my entire life. I felt guilty even trying to masturbate to it. <laughs> Got like a top hat to raise at that particular punchline. <laughs> Uh, I have been Stephen Hall, Vice Captain Loser. Do enjoy the rest of this splendid podcast. I'll see you again. Thank you. The Guardian Live at the Gilded Balloon with Miles Jock. My first chat guest is a man who started stand-up in 2002. Within 18 months, he'd become the only person to get to the finals of every major new talent competition in the country. Don't let me tell you how funny he is. Let's hear what his audience said last night. He was hilarious. Yeah, very, very good. The guy is just, um, even though it's real life, he comes up with ridiculous stories and he just keeps the audience um, in his palm of his hand. Fabulous stories. It's just so completely fresh. Very, very funny indeed. And we really enjoyed it. I've never seen or heard anything like it. It was amazing. It was so funny. Uh, funny, clever, different levels. Tears streaming down my face. Well, it was terrific. He's the type of person you'd like, you just want to go and have a fight with and you know you'd end up having a good crack with him. <laughs> You had a genuine look of surprise on your face hearing those uh, those people's voices. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Well, I think we should talk about this. Are they actually mine at all? Uh, no, they are. They are people. <laughs> they, are, they, they, are, they are people that have come out of your show that, that uh, enjoy your company and want to drink with you. Yeah. She sounded all right, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. uh, Is she here? <laughs> I've absolutely no. No, that was genuinely surprising. I didn't know you were you were. No, honestly, doing all that. those voices are genuine, real members of our production team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's very nice uh, to, to chat with you. Normally, when people come on the podcast, I have a little bit of a chat with them before they, they come onto the stage. But I haven't with you because you you've been saving your voice for this moment. I have, yes, indeed. I, this is the first time I've spoken today, and uh, yeah, I did a little. I'm trying not to speak at all in between shows, so. Sorry. Is this, <laughs> is this out of a sense of professionalism, or are you miserly? I just, just that people are telling me, rest your voice. Don't, talk, don't even whisper. Apparently whispering is worse than talking, which worst is thing you can counterintuitive do. and surprising to me, but there we are. Uh, your show is called Rod Gilbert and the Award-Winning Mince Pie. Are you allowed to tell us about, about the award-winning mince pie? Or is it, is it allowed by whom? Well, your own bizarre moral uh, I code. I say, I'm writer, producer, actor, performer, editor. Right. I can pretty much do what I want. Oh, right. <laughs> I can tell you about it if I want. Oh, well, do you want to? Uh, do I want to? Um, it's, about, it's about me having a nervous breakdown over a mince pie in, <laughs> in Nutsford service station. Uh, so it is actually one of those shows that is about what it sort that, of has. That sounds you know, amazing. What, yeah. what service station? Nutsford. <laughs> that is... That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. What's weird is that I, I, I say Nutsford in the show, but then... You know, people keep adding... See, I've said about not reading reviews. People keep telling you about reviews. That's the problem. Yeah. People run up to you and, you and they say, are you reading your reviews? And you say, no. And they say, oh, so you didn't see the one star in three weeks today. Uh, <laughs> very kindly. But people have told me that, that, that re- journalists are adding bits to this all the time, adding details that I don't put in. Like somebody said, nuts for servicing just off Junction 18, blah, blah. I, don't, I didn't know that. <laughs> and it was my breakdown. You, you claim, or you have claimed in the past, to, to come from a place called... Clan Bobble. Mm. Do you still uh, live there in any sense? Uh, 
no, no, that's a sort of uh, Welsh village, a fictional Welsh place that I invented a few years ago on stage, and then every year I'll sort of say to audiences, I'm from Clan Bobble, and, and somebody will laugh, and I'll say, why have you been there? And nine times out of ten, they haven't, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but every now and again, somebody will say yes, and then, and then I'll sort of pursue it, and, quite, and over the years, I've had a number of nice little stories uh, you know, of people's lives in, in this place that I've invented, which is... <laughs> Um, but this year I'm sort of, sort of ditching it in the sense that at the, st- at the top of the show I say, I used to say I was from Clan Bobble, I'm not doing that anymore, it was an invented place, so I'm not trying to kind of lure people in. You say, I, I used to do this certain thing, uh, I don't like to talk about it anymore. That's it. I have a very similar feeling about a certain children's programme. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, now, you have, uh, you've toured extensively all over the world, you, you, you've done a gig in one of Saddam Hussein's former palaces. Yeah. Not to him, I should point out. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> An incredibly well-paid but frightening corporate gig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're well, not that well-paid. I say, no, I, I, I go out to Iraq and Afghanistan and, um, you know, I've sort of reconciled it in my head. I was against the, the whole invasion thing, uh, to be honest. But I think now that they're there, then... A gig's a gig. A gig's a gig, exactly. <laughs> it beats Jongler's Reading, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, oh, have you been to Jonglers Reading? Have you? It's probably uh, less terrifying. That's the end of my Jonglers career. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but it's it's. So I've sort of reconciled it in my head to go. If they're there now, I might they might as well have some entertainment. And they've got. It's you know they really are desperate for it. So it's really lovely audiences. You know, when it's sort of two o'clock in the afternoon, it's you know hundred degrees outside. They've all got their machine guns just put to one side on silent, and um, <laughs> yeah, they got this. It's 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 amazing. They're the most attentive gigs you'll ever do. And one of the, and like basically, Saddam Hussein's palace was turned into an army base now, so it's all kind of you know folding tables and and, and tierns, you know. But it's still a fairly impressive place to to wander around. And you get to do you get to mix socially with troops? Yeah, you do. You're sort of encouraged to go and, and, and mix with them, really. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Did you get dragged into a bush by a special ops man or anything like that? No, but we did. We did I mean, you know, things happen. It's scary and it's happened because, you know, I, we were, we, you're supposed to go by helicopter everywhere. Uh, and then, but, some, but sometimes helicopters not available. Bizarrely, they've got something more important that's come up than taking a comedian to a gig. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> uh, so we have to go by land, and, and we went by land, and then the Land Rovers stopped, the three or four of us in a kind of you know little convoy, and all the army people jumped out and sort of hit the floor, and were facing outwards like sniper style, you know. And um, we were just sat in the back, just three comedians, just sitting in the back, just in the middle of Iraq on land. Communications had gone down, radio's gone down, with just all these snipers around us. And a device had gone off just behind us. And, and I was the only one who found that out, so I had to kind of hold that information, apparently. I don't, don't tell the others to scare them, so I had to hold that all the way to the palace and then, <laughs> and then back, a different route, thank God. You can imagine doing a gig in that kind of thing. You know, you've got some bloke, commanding officer, comes out and, and sort of says, right, here's the protocol. If we get hit tonight, if we get bombed, if there's any uh, you know, RPGs, any light artillery fire, whatever, this is what we do. And, you know, just as the producer did today with this podcast, you know, and, and then sort of said, now welcome to the stage, Rod Gilbert. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and out so you come. That's exciting, isn't it? Having a, a sort of being given advice on what to do if a bomb hits you or whatever is much more exciting than turning up to places than people going, we're having a bit of a problem with Turn the PA. Turn your mobile phones off. John Pinnett, he was here on an earlier show. He was upset because he's paid £5,000 for his flat and isn't, isn't happy with it. He wanted more. 
food in it. Uh, Guardian, <laughs> uh, uh, Guardian journalists, they've been having uh, power cuts and, and floods. Have you, how are your Edinburgh digs? Lovely. They're only £3,000, but they're very nice. That sounds very expensive to me. Does it? Uh, I'm afraid it does, yeah. <laughs> You're not all your accent cracks you up to be, clearly. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm staying with friends in the <laughs> new shoes town. shoes look like they cost the same as my flat. <laughs> uh, these are bloody good. They're trickers of Northampton. Um, <laughs> exactly. They've if got you know shop- the town they're from, that's an expensive shoe. Yeah, well, they've got a shop in German Street, but it is worth going to the place in Northampton because they can build a last that specially suits your... Why doesn't John Pinnett stay in there? <laughs> uh, now, you're also... Cause you're the voice of Wales... The idea well, yes, in the sense that I am, as far as anybody is, the voice of Wales. There is somebody out there that calls me the voice of Wales. No, as in it's utterly meaningless. <laughs> is it not? I understood it was, there was an advert, and in the advert you were the voice of Wales. I, I perhaps imagined well, it, it was being a sort of animated version of Wales. No, you see, that would be a better description, definition of being the voice of Wales. Basically, on the, on the Welsh TV advert, the Come to Wales advert, yeah. somebody has to do a voiceover on them, and that's me. Yeah. So then the Welsh Toys Board have gone in their PR thing, have gone, he's the voice of Wales, following the footsteps of Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, and all these people. <laughs> what it actually means is, I did a voiceover. Right. Yeah. Which, which, which is better. You can catch the five-star comedian Rod Gilbert at the Pleasance Courtyard at 8pm every night. Uh, Rod, do stick with us. Here now is the Guardian Online Arts Editor, sent up from London headquarters to make sure that we're not taking the piss too much. Please welcome Andrew Dixon! Andrew, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to hear your top tips and, and hints, uh, opinions on what you've seen, but first, as a newcomer to the podcast, uh, we need to see where you fit onto our Guardian Journalist leaderboard. They get free tickets for every show, but to just how many will they go? The Guardian leaderboard. The Guardian leaderboard. Yeah. That is just excellent use of Guardian resources. Most, most of the money went on Anna's bikini. Um, <laughs> so who do we have? We've got Brian Logan. Uh, Brian Logan, uh, Leo Benedictus, uh, joint, joint first. Seven is the most. What, how many shows have you seen in a day? Uh, I've got to say, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I've seen five. So better than Paul, not as good as Laura. Uh, Laura, your, your colleague on the arts desk. Uh, OK, uh, now five. Sounds good. But it Sounds only, good. only counts if you can actually name them. Uh, you've got 20 seconds to name them. Go. Okay, well, I was at the book festival, so I saw David Lodge, I saw John Prescott, I saw a show at the Pleasance uh, called Plastic, I saw uh, Stephen Burkhoff again at the book festival, and then I rounded off the day with uh, another show called Borderline at the Underbelly. So there! Yeah, 16 seconds. (laughs) You will note that not a single one of those is a comedy show. Uh, though I have seen John Prescott, so I don't know if that kind of yeah. counts. <laughs> what, uh, what was John Prescott doing? Uh, he was talking at the book festival. He was talking about his, um, about his new book, uh, Preza. Um, <laughs> beautifully named. It's, it's great, actually, because you look at the back uh, cover of it and there's a photograph of him. It, you see the famous photograph where he's kind of just raising two fingers behind his back to a load of journalists. And this hatred of journalists absolutely came out on the show. He, he would not stop going on about how much journalists are sort of terrible and awful and all so obviously we kind of decided to kind of gang up on him as a group and, and yeah. try and destroy him in print um, but no it's, I mean, it's, it, it's funny it's a kind of comedy and, and 
Prescott. I mean, there is something of the kind of pub comedian about him, I think. You, know, you can sort of imagine, like, in a, you know, if life had ever just been slightly so different, they would be kind of, you know, cruising in some kind of Barnsley working men's club. Cruising? Hand. <laughs> cruising, yeah. Well, that's... Oh, no, sorry. We, yeah, we'd probably better leave that just in <laughs> session. Uh, but he's... Oh, how old? John Prescott is 71 or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's something like that. He, a- he actually looks very good for his age, John Prescott. Not close up, I would say. <laughs> All the photographers were kind of, like, th- 30 or 40 feet away, but... Um, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's doing all right. He was good. I mean, he had a very good line about how when he was uh, deputy um, PM, he had security. I mean, that wasn't so much to protect him from the public as the public from him. <laughs> um, and you do, the sense, you do the sense there is a bit of a kind of, you know, rapport, kind of raconteurish thing going on he's got. So, no, he was, he was pretty impressive. Uh, and Stephen Burkhoff? Stephen also Burkhoff, a violent man. Also a violent man. Completely mad, I suspect. Entirely really? mad in every single way. He's written a book called My Life in Food, which is really sort of a kind of very loveyish trip around sort of the world relating meals that he's had, most of which have been on his own, um, rather curiously. Uh, and then you sort of you meet him or you sort of see him on stage and you kind of think, yeah, that's probably quite a good idea. There was a, it, it, he did this astonishing rhapsody in praise of the tomato, um, but it was, it was extraordinary. It was kind of this sort of the rubicund, plump, ripe, young, and this, just like, no. Uh, now, Anna, can you give us your top three tips? My top three tips. Um, I saw, well, I've been mainly seeing theatre um, and the book festival stuff, so I thought Burkov was pretty cool, um, though he's obviously, um, he's got a show on as well um, on the waterfront, uh, which is at the Pleasance, so that's meant to be very good. Um, I saw a great little show called Architecting, uh, which was at the Traverse, uh, which sounds, whenever I describe it, like the worst show in the world. It's kind of, it's an attempt to understand Hurricane Katrina through the medium of Gone with the Wind. Um, but <laughs> it is actually, it's got to be said, totally brilliant. Um, and then what else have I seen? I really liked, yeah, that show I mentioned earlier called Plastic, which is at uh, The Pleasance, which is a sort of uh, a kind of dance piece about plastic surgery. <laughs> mm. Andrew Dixon, thank you very much. Josie Long was judged to be the best newcomer by the F.Dot Comedy Panel in 2006. Her show this year is called All of the Planet's Wonders, shown in detail. She's been described as inspired and inspiring. She's with us now on The Guardian podcast, Josie Long! <laughs> Josie, how are you? I'm all right. You, 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 are you good for me? Are you enjoying Edinburgh? Um, no, I would say this is the hardest one I've ever done. I'm holding back for the final week. The final week is going to be the week that I properly enjoy everything, see as much as possible, do as much as possible. Uh, go to Leith Waterworld. That's my big plan. <laughs> Leith Waterworld? Yeah. What, what, what's that? You can sit on a rubber ring and uh, float around the very slow course and bash into little children totally allowed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a sort of scenic uh, hemorrhoid preparation centre. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I might go there myself. Um, Uh, Now, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your show this year? Quite an ambitious title. Um, Yeah, I quite enjoy reading about the Enlightenment and I quite like the spirit of the Enlightenment and it's sort of about deciding to approach science and nature as somebody that's always been like an arty, pretentious person. Uh, Somebody... But it's it's also just silly jokes, really. Um, (laughs) And it's kind of... It's about collecting as well um, and about the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford which is the best collection of objects that exists, uh, arranged in the most ridiculous, non-themed manner. It's and completely crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's just totally it's like the, it's the maddest room in the world. Yeah, but every object in the collection has a very rigorously handwritten tag. Uh, with, they have about seven or eight systems of taxonomy, 
and it's completely like impenetrable. Like half of it's just like five four two slash six G slash F, and you're like, I, I don't even. Why is this? You know, it's not helpful. It's stone. It's very frustrating, though, isn't it, when uh, you go to something and it has an inadequate filing system. <laughs> I, Puts me right off. You, no, really, the the university library here in Edinburgh, they they uh, when I was here, they had three systems. One was the Dewey Decimal System, uh, not a bad system. One was the uh, uh, Library of Congress system, also not a bad system. But the biggest system was the one called Waiting to be Filed. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was three floors. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> I understand you're sharing a flat with Maeve Higgins and David O'Doherty. Yes. Is that correct? Maeve was on uh, our last podcast. Is that, do you think, Edinburgh's most whimsical flat? Um, oh, it's lovely. What happens is in the morning, David will go out and he'll see something very beautiful, but just smile, not laugh out loud, smile. And he'll come back and he'll tell us about that. And I will very gently tell him that was a lovely thing, that was the best thing I'd ever seen. And then Maeve will just just chat about it, maybe make us a cake. That's what will happen. Josie, you're, you're uh, uh, like all of us here on the panel, uh, down with the kids. Um, <laughs> You, you write for and appear in, uh, in the youth programme Skins. Yes, I do. How did that come about? Um, they saw me at a gig. There's a, a guy called Jamie, who's one of the co-creators, and uh, Brian, who is the other co-creator. They were at a... Jamie um, and Brian. Yep. Yeah, Jamie and Brian. They were at a gig, a benefit gig I did for orangutans. So, thankfully, it wasn't a waste of my time. I got something <laughs> out of it. Thank God. <laughs> They're not going to win, are they? They're too sweet-natured. The orangutans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they saw me at that and they were like, oh, would you like to come along to our writers' meetings? And uh, bef- this was way before it was... It had been commissioned, but it wasn't being made yet. It was still sort of in the writing stages. And uh, so I thought, yeah, why not? It would be brilliant. And I went along and it's, it, it's been a really, really great opportunity. Like, uh, And your, your other big passion, apart from being cool and down with it, is Boggle. Yeah. It's better than Scrabble because it's fast-paced and there's none of this like, mm, sit for half an hour and then I'll put a two-letter word down. <laughs> Frick. And it's also like, oh, there's none of... Scrabble is so boring and calculating and it just feels nasty, whereas Boggle is all about intensity, three minutes, mm, and then and then afterwards, proper competition. I like it. And it's, uh, it's like you... the difference between weightlifting and Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're, you're hosting more uh, Boggle? The World Boggle Championships. It's on Saturday at 4pm at the, at the Pleasants in the Pasta Bar. You should come. Uh, there's the open round. Everyone does the same board. And then I will pick the best people from that. Also, I get to go through because it's my competition. Deal with it. And then, uh, depending on how many people show up. So if we get 50 people, 8 people will go through. If we get more than 50 people, 16 people will go through. Uh, then we'll have a knockout system until the final. Uh, there'll be trophies which I've made in the style which I most like uh, because I'm hoping to win. So uh, I've made trophies and uh, badges. But I warn you, I've run it, done it twice before. I set up the competition to win it. Uh, the first year I came third, the second year I came fifth. So Yeah, my, my wife was the top seed the she first She was the top year. seed, but she crashed and burnt, didn't she, she? Well, she was knocked out in the semi-final by Daniel Kitson, and I had, to warn, I had to warn him about his language because he was treating her like he would a comedian, not a human. <laughs> he knocked me out in the semi-final last, and then we played Boggle. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, Josie Long. Uh, you can catch her show at the Pleasance Courtyard at 9.45 every night. The Guardian Live at the Gilded Balloon. Rob Deering is going to perform for us now. Uh, do your best to see his show, Boobs 2008 at the Underbelly. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Deering. 
Ladies and gentlemen, me. We're in Scotland, it's a wonderful place to be. North of the border to a wanker from London like me. But I understand I know all about Scottish citizens. Like Shrek, Mrs. Doubtfire, and groundskeeper Willie off The Simpsons. And you want me to do the accent? Please, Rob, won't you do the accent? It won't be offensive if you do the accent. Oh. So I will plead to the local crowd, cause I know what side my gluty dumpling is buttered. I may not be an ugly twin, but I think I know what'll go down well. It's going! It's going! It's going! It's going! There you go. Yeah, thanks. Tumble off the bench and I stumble to the toilets Pour myself a cup of methylated spirits And roar and scratch and try to find a vein Someone who slipped out of the whole nine to five there Let's have some uh, smooth jazz Here we go, smooth A little bit of smooth jazz Okay Thanks so much for listening. Do keep downloading these at guardian.co.uk slash Edinburgh. I'm off to the Moss Kitchen for a lambuna with extra sag. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.